Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Another edition of Your Retirement Elevated coming at you, Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout the KC metro area, but also serving clients all across the country. We're online 24-7. Listen to past episodes of the show and subscribe on listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Still afflicted a little bit by the pollen as we record today's episode, but that's all right. We're still doing well. Scott, good to talk to you once again. How are you, sir? Doing well. Glad to be here. Yep. And looking forward to our conversation today. We're mixing things up a little bit on the podcast today. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. We don't often dive into current events, but we're going to do a little bit of that on the program today. I've got a couple of news headlines. I'm going to throw Scott's direction, get his opinion on some of these financial things that have been moving and shaking in the news. See if there are things we need to be concerned about, aware of, take action from. We'll talk about that on today's show and answer some of your questions on today's program. It's a mailbag edition of the Your Retirement Elevated show. So that should be a lot of fun as well. We'll get into some of your questions a little bit later on in the program. We've got three we're going to try and touch on today. First of all, though, in the news, let's take a look at a couple of these things here, Scott, that we've come across recently. Now, as we record this, you know, we talked a lot last year about tax reform when the reforms were first passed, and then last year being the first year they were truly taking effect on our bottom line. But now we're at the end of the tax season where we're getting to the point where people have now filed those first tax returns under the new scheme. So now that you've had to take had the time to take a look at some of these returns, what's happening to clients, how much of a difference, positive or negative, does it seem to have made for most people? Let's start with this. Let's talk about what the tax reform was meant to do. It was meant to reduce taxes on two sectors. One, C corporations, so, you know, companies, and the other is on the individual side, so individuals that make under $250,000 or less, uh, which should have a positive impact on them. And that $250,000 or less in income, you know, that's going to be, you know, 95% of the population that, that will help. And so for most people, it's going to simplify dramatically the tax preparation process because of the changes in the standard deductions and exemptions. The deduction literally doubled. And so positive effect, most people aren't going to have to save all their receipts because most people aren't going to have more than you know $24,400 in expenses and itemized deductions. So that's positive. The downside, it's going to hurt potentially charities through deductions or smaller deductions because not everybody's going to be able to deduct those off of their taxes. So positive is simplification. Some people should see either positive refund or decrease in taxation because of the way they crunch the brackets down. But if you're a high money earner, that's probably not going to be as good for you in that respect. Good to know. So uh, there you go. A lot of people, I'm sure, having... uh you know, some questions of, oh, taxes were a little different this year. So yeah, uh, they definitely, they definitely were. And I will say this, in my opinion, taxes are still on sale. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if you're in a situation where tax plan is important, and we, we mean by tax planning is, you know, especially if you've got a lot of dollars saved up in your uh, tax for account, like your IRA or 401k, 
those taxes are deferred. And at some point, especially at 70 and a half, you're going to be required to take money out. And when you take that money out, what you put into it and all the growth it's had, that's going to be taxable. That's going to be added to your Social Security, your pension, your other income, and push you up into higher tax brackets. And so if you find yourself in a situation, uh, what we call if you're in that golden decade, which is that 60 to 70 range uh, years of age, where it may make sense to move some of your tax deferred assets like your IRA or 401k, move it over to a Roth IRA. Now we have to pay taxes to get that money over there, but that money's gonna, from that point on, be tax-free and there's no required distributions and all the growth in the future will be tax-free as well. And so there's that component of tax returns, uh, but then the component of tax planning, which we focus on quite a bit, is being tax aware that there's a great opportunity between now and uh, January 1st, 2026, to potentially move dollars from one taxable bucket to a tax-free bucket that could potentially give you a much better future from a tax perspective if you you really take advantage of things right now. I'm curious on that because, Scott, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day about that exact question. In fact, a family member, we happen to be talking about planning and, and 401ks and those kinds of things and, and retirement. They're in their early 60s. And so just starting to have some of these kinds of conversations. And so I, we were talking about that exact subject about the tax rates and their biggest you know, source of funds is in all taxable 401k account pretty much with just a little bit in a Roth IRA. And they asked a good question that I didn't know the answer to. And that was, well, at what point does it really become worth it to worry about, you know, how much I would save by doing like rollovers now while taxes are on sale versus just waiting until retirement, even if they go up a little bit, you know, is it really going to be that big of a difference? Or do I have enough money saved to make a difference? Is there a threshold where some of these strategies, you know, start to work better than others? Or, you know, do you have to have X amount saved for some of these strategies and, and tax planning things to work? Or does it work for any any amount? Well, the first thing that you really have to consider when you're thinking about doing tax planning and moving money from one tax bucket to another is that you've got to have a pretty strong belief that the federal government's appetite for revenue is not going to decrease <laughs> over time. And so if you feel like the federal government's still going to continue to spend, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe it was, you know, you've got 170 plus million people that are, I believe, paying into Social Security and over 150 million taking out. And we have 70,000 people a week, you know, turning 65. <laughs> you know, so my belief is that we're probably going to see different taxation, not only because of the pressure of the demographic of the United States, but at some point we're going to get a change in the White House, which is going to be a change of, you know, belief, meaning that, you know, taxes will increase and give more money to the government to provide more benefits. So that's number one. You've got to have a pretty strong belief that that's going to happen. And you're correct. If you're looking down the road and the government mandated tax plan, which is required minimum distributions, if you're going to need to take that money out and you're going to spend all of that in retirement, 
and it's going to be at a, at a fairly decent tax rate, then yeah, it may not make sense to make that painful decision to pay taxes now. Right? Other people, really, if you're north of $500,000 or above, it really is at least worth thinking about to see if you could have some what we call tax diversification. And what I mean by tax diversification is if you envision three buckets sitting next to each other, and that first bucket, you know, shiny metallic bucket is their tax now bucket. And that's money in your checking and savings where you get interest or dividends and you, you, you pay taxes on it. That's the tax now bucket. For a lot of people, that's their, you know, emergency fund, you know, that's their slush fund. And next to that bucket is another shiny bucket called the tax deferred or tax later bucket. That's your IRA or 401k, TSP, things like that. Meaning when you take money out, it's all going to be taxable. And next to that, the third shiny bucket is the tax free. And that's the Roth IRA or Roth 401k, cash value life insurance. And so those are things that when you take money out of it, they're tax free. So if you envision these three buckets side by side, think about in your personal situation, how much money do you have in that tax now bucket, your checking savings or after tax investments? How much do you have in that second bucket, that tax deferred or tax later bucket? Chances are, if you're listening, most of your hard earned dollars and savings are in that second bucket. And that third bucket, if we're looking at that one, that tax free or Roth, most of you listening don't have a lot of dollars in there. And so if we think about diversification, I think we can all agree that when you're looking at investments, not putting all your eggs in one basket or one bucket makes sense. That holds true, you know, decade after decade. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I believe that diversifying from a tax perspective makes sense for a lot of people. And so we're not saying take all of your IRA and move it over to the Roth section, because that could be expensive or cost prohibitive. But it does make sense to potentially move some of those dollars over there. So you have a little better balance between those three buckets. So that would be my takeaway. If you can do it and do it in a tax preferred manner and get those dollars over there, those dollars down the road may end up being very valuable dollars from a from a tax perspective. It's helpful. I know that it can be a little bit difficult to to nail down some of these kinds of things just because everybody's situation is going to be different. But that is a little bit of a helpful barometer there of just kind of knowing that, yeah, there's there's opportunity here. And the more you have, I guess it sounds like the bigger chance for savings exists. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, that was one headline that we saw in the news that we thought we'd get some perspective on. I don't know if you'll have a whole lot to say on this one, Scott, but I'll throw it out there anyway. What about uh, existing home sales? Saw that nationwide we've hit a three-year low. Is there uh, any concern about that in your mind right now? Well, I think right now, not necessarily concerned. It's definitely on our radar. I think there's a few reasons that's happened. Uh, You know, we have a slight raise in interest rates. And we've had, in some areas, a decline in inventory. I know in Kansas City is a hot market. Things have slowed. And that's really because prices have just continued to, to rise. So that's you know slowed things down a little bit. And so right now, the fundamentals are still there. If you drive around Kansas City, there's a lot of commercial building going on. There's a lot of definitely 50-plus housing going up. So we'll keep an eye on it. But we're not in a situation where 
we're having bad loan practices and people with, uh, we call those ninja loans, no income, no job, um, no assets are getting home loans. And so that, that's a positive for me. But again, we'll, we'll continue to monitor those over time. Yeah, it's, that's a good thing. So we're not seeing all of those uh, bad indicators that we, we saw in the past to where it'd be giving you major worry of an epic collapse once again. That seems to be no, not, I, not in the cards. No, I, I would say from an economic standpoint, $1.5 trillion in student loan debt is probably a bigger issue. B- than, bigger, bigger bubble. <laughs> than we have, in, uh, which we're paying attention to. That, to me, is a bigger issue than uh, home prices right now. Good to know. Okay. One more headline, and then we'll get to our listener questions. A lot of people were talking about Bitcoin in 2018, and then it hit its news headlines for sure with the ups and downs that it took during the year. But you don't hear about it as much now. The end of the year, the news about it kind of petered out. Haven't really heard much about it in 2019 so far. Has the craze disappeared? Well, I'm going to separate it into two distinct topics here. The craze, the media hype, the bubble is that over with yeah it, it the media has fell out of love with bitcoin <laughs> okay. okay that does not mean bitcoin doesn't have a future because it's reverted back to earlier prices it's a cryptocurrency that has weathered the storm there's been many that have come and gone in the in that time it, it's still seated as potentially the currency of the future internet because there there's a lot of talk about Eventually, the internet and purchases will be run on some sort of digital currency, you know, with a blockchain being more prevalent and being more accepted as a way to store, having a ledger, keeping all information. So I think, yes, the craze, the hype, the bubble is over, but that it's still there. There's still a value to it. Um, But I think we can all learn that lesson that when the media gets behind something and fans that flame, you had some real indicators that we were in, could potentially have some issues. People were borrowing or buying Bitcoin on credit cards because they felt like it was never going to go down. It was a sure thing. About a year ago, I was getting ready to do a retirement planning class, and the young IT person at the university was talking to me about investments. He goes, Yeah, you know, I. I took everything I had in my 401k, took it out, paid the taxes and invested in Bitcoin, and I charged up my credit card into it because, you know, that's going to be the way I'm really going to be able to retire. And so kind of when when that is the rhetoric that gets tossed around, you should probably be careful <laughs> because of what's going on. So, again, always be wary of hype and the media building something up. But please separate that out. It's still a cryptocurrency, and there's probably still a future for it going forward. So just because you're not hearing the the hype around it now doesn't necessarily mean it's still you know a safe retirement venture to go jump into. <laughs> yeah, it's from a fiduciary scenario, we would not be able to place that in a person's you know retirement. Just like you know cannabis, you know that is a blooming market in certain states. It's still not federally legal. And as advisors, we cannot advise on those situations just because it doesn't fit the parameters of what a fiduciary can do. Not saying it's not something that for some people would be a good investment down the road. It's just something that we couldn't advise on. Be careful as it becomes more and more legal. That could be another hype bubble uh, where a lot of people are rushing into that. But like I say, 
personal feelings aside, you always want to be careful of when something sounds like it's the best thing ever and it's never going to go down and this time it's different. That's when we should take pause. Yeah, really good uh, ending comment there for sure. So there's the skinny on Bitcoin so far in 2019. We'll keep an eye on it. If it comes back in the news and hype up again, we'll bring it back up, I guess, at some point as well. Well, if you want to submit any questions to us, you can always do that, by the way. Listen to scott.com, the place to go. Submit questions on the website or give Scott a call, of course. Call the office at 913-393-4724. Every once in a while, we'll take a couple of the best questions and feature them here on the program on what we like to call the mailbag. And I've got a couple of questions to throw at you, Scott, see what your thoughts are here. Lou has the first question. Lou says, oh, it's kind of related to our uh, earlier conversation about the tax situations and the reform and IRAs and that sort of thing. I've always assumed that I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, he says, but now I'm questioning whether or not that's going to be true. What do you normally see? Well, Lou, that's a great question. And you're like a lot of our clients that years ago were kind of told that you know, defer, defer, defer your taxes as long as possible, because when you retire, your tax rates are going to be lower. And it is true, tax rates are lower than they've been in 31 years. But for a lot of our clients that we take care of, you know, between their Social Security pension and their large tax deferred accounts, and that government mandated our required minimum distribution, that's pushing them up into a much higher tax record than they expected. So it's not uncommon with our clientele for them to be in the same tax bracket or higher when they retire. Because you also have to think about what else happens when you retire. We lose a lot of the things that helped us control our, in, our taxable income when we're working. And so what are those things that help us control taxation while we're working and accumulating? Well, number one, plowing money into your 401k. Because what do we do? We get a tax deduction when we put money into it, right? So we've got that. We're raising kids, you know, so we get some tax breaks there. We get an interest deduction, you know, that's changed partially because of the SALT limitations. But, you know, what happens when you retire? Most people either have their house paid off or they're paying down the principal on it. So they don't really have that deduction. And then if we're, you know, gifting money or, you know, tithing money when we're working, you know, we get to do that. But when we do retire, depending on our cash flow situation, most people find that they're going to volunteer their time because that's more abundant than in writing a check. And can we deduct our volunteer time off of our taxes? No, we can't. So for a lot of folks that we deal with and do a lot of tax planning with, again, they're going to be in the same, if not higher tax brackets when they retire. Good question, Lou. Thank you for submitting that one to us. Again, you can submit questions on listentoscott.com. Mary has our next question. Mary says, I'm really worried about rolling over my 401k because I'm afraid that I'm going to do something wrong and create a tax bill for myself. How difficult is the process? Well, Mary, the best answer is let us help you because we won't mess it up. How about that? No, seriously, Mary, (laughs) the... uh, When you're moving a 401k, you're going to want to do a rollover to a traditional IRA. 
And so to a new custodian with us, let's say you work for XYZ Corporation, we're going to roll that over to Fidelity on our side into an IRA. And so there's no taxation. The money never goes to your bank account. And it just goes over from what's called institution to institution. And then your former employer sends you a tax form that showed that that's what happened to the IRS. And then it's treated just like your 401k from a tax perspective once it gets over to the IRA. So it is a simple process to do. It can be complicated because of the sometimes the forms or the requirements that the institutions put on you from moving the dollars. But a qualified planning firm, they should be able to guide you through that and make it very painless with very little stress. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a complicated process, but it does have big consequences if you do mess it up, Mary. So that's why it is really nice to have the help of somebody else just to make sure all the proper steps are followed there. Because uh, am I right, Scott, Once you, if you do it wrong and you create that taxable bill, it's not like something you can easily undo. Kind of once it's done, it's done, and you've got to suffer the consequences sort of thing? It is, but you know, there are, let's say that you know, you're called your 401k company and say, hey, just send me that check. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to put it in my checking account. Well, if you do take possession of those funds, you have 60 days to get it back into the right type of tax qualified account, like an an IRA. Now, if you go past that 60 day window, that's when it becomes a taxable event and you're going to owe taxes on all those dollars that were in that 401k. Plus that could increase the taxes you pay on your Social Security check, if you're getting one, if you're taking a pension, things really start to compound. And so you do want to be very careful. There's a lot of specific IRA rules that you want to abide by. And that's why I say you definitely either want to study up or have a a professional that can help you guide you through that process. Yep. Good question, Mary. Thanks again for that one as well. One more here to end us off for this edition of the podcast is from Murray. And Murray says, oh, you'll like this, Scott, the market has to crash soon. It just has to. Am I wrong about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Murray, uh, I cannot predict the future or the markets. I do have a magic eight ball in my office that I prognosticate with on occasion, but it's not very good at telling me the future. I can tell you this. If the market goes down, at some point, it's going to go back up. And if the market goes up, at some point, it's going to go down. The issue is I can't tell you when. Now, just because the market has been on this you know, long run, it doesn't mean there, there's this imminent doom ahead of us. The other shoe is going to drop. Will the market make you know a big correction or a bear market at this point? Absolutely, because that's what markets do. Now we saw that at the end of 2018, you know, we had a we had a pullback, almost 20 percent. We almost got into bear market territory. Anything over negative 20 is bear. We got down 19 percent, so we just touched it, but we've bounced back up. And the interesting thing was, there's no real fundamental issues that were there. There was just you know trade pressure, tariff wars, uh, raising interest rates. So there's some things that put pressure on the economy, but it really picked up speed as the media said we were, you know, the market's crashing, the market's doing this. And it caught a lot of investors that didn't have a good plan or a good investment discipline. They sold out. Sad example, I was referred uh, a family by one of our estate planning attorney relationships. 
and we're sitting down with them and they retired about a year ago very cautious very conservative but you know they were still invested very similar to where they were when they retired so they had a little more risk probably than they were comfortable with and they got into that fourth quarter 2018 and every day watching the value every day reading the news talking to the wife she said her husband was just glued to the internet glued to tv watching financial news which is i can tell you is not the best thing for your sanity or your blood pressure uh, in that week of Christmas, he reached his breaking point and he decided to go all in and went to cash a week before Christmas. Oh. Yeah, because December 24th, ironically, was the mark of the market bottom. <laughs> and we got a Christmas present. And ever since the 25th, we had one little blip, but the market's been pretty robust and re- coming back from that so he wins the he won the worst timing award for 2018 yes he did and so when i met him it's just a few weeks ago he was still in cash now when you think about him we talk about investor psychology a lot here's where his mind was when we chatted i said so what what is your process to move money back into the market he goes well now i just have to wait till it crashes again to move in so here he is now hoping for a crash so he can get back in the market. And that's a bad place to be. And so I always talk about market timing does not work. And when you market time, you've got to be right twice. You've got to know when to get out of the market and you have to know when to get back in the market. Those are two very difficult things to do. Hence the gentleman that panic got out and has missed that entire rally to come back. So there's only three things that you can exert pressure over in retirement, and it's these three things. Number one, you want to keep your fees appropriate and as low as possible. You can control that. Number two, you want to take the amount of risk that's appropriate for your plan and your your investor makeup. You know, I've got some people that are super conservative, you know, fiscally with their dollars. I've got other clients that are very aggressive and assertive. There's no right or wrong answer, but your plan needs to match how you feel about your dollars. Okay, so you can control how much risk or exposure you're taking. And number three, you can control how much you pay in taxes if you have a good tax plan. Those are the three areas we focus our time, effort, and energy on to exert control and to give you the highest probability possible of success in retirement. Market timing and doing that, that's not one of the things we do. Now, we definitely build portfolios, if it's warranted, that have downside protection, more stability, more predictability. And that's just using a mixture of investment options and strategies. But again, we're not cookie cutter. And so we're going to custom design those based on your situation, what you need your money to do for you in retirement. So I would say be logical about it. Don't make emotional decisions, make decisions based on facts and logic. And that's why we take our clients and prospective clients through the complete planning review. We look at all five areas of planning and we give you a report of findings of what looks good in your current situation, what you may want to watch out for in your current situation. And if there are any red flags, we're to clearly point those out and talk about how you solve those red flags or issues in your retirement. So that's how I would approach it. 
It's helpful information for sure and wise to ask questions. If nothing else, ask the questions that are on your mind. Don't be shy. Get assistance, get guidance, and get help from somebody like Scott Dugan. You can reach out by calling 913-393-4724. If you've got a question like we talked about on the show today, something that's been happening in the news that's on your mind that you want to get some perspective on, or maybe it's just a a planning question like Lou and Mary had, you could certainly ask those. 913-393-4724, your number to call to get in touch with Scott, ask your financial questions, or you can always find us online as well at listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Well, Scott, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for playing along with the mailbag edition of today's show for your thoughts. And we'll look forward to another show with you soon. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storl. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.